have the pleasure of uh, announcing our, our speaker today for Mother's Day um, is Beth. Beth is a uh, pastor, senior, and Carol's our, our founding pa- uh, pastor's daughter, Pastor Ron's sister. Her and her husband, Brent, are leaders here in the church. They are involved with several ministries, um, and she is our point lady for all of our women's encounter go-to things and just an awesome, awesome vessel here in the church where she can pour herself out into our, a lot of our families here. So we're just very grateful to have her, and it's a real uh, privilege to have Beth Jacobus speak and share the word with us today. Would you welcome her as she comes up to share? Grief, all this stuff. Good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day. Good looking group here. So, well, Pastor had asked me, like, I don't know, maybe a month or maybe more, hey, how do you, Brittany, feel about giving the the, the message? And, you know, in the heat of the moment, it's like, yeah, that'd be great. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah, it gets a little bit closer and closer. And I'm looking at Brittany like, what have we committed to? Oh, my goodness, we got to talk in front of all these people. And But you know what? God is so faithful. And um, I was looking through the Bible, and I had, like, two sermons, like, going. And, and they were, you know, one was, of course, a Proverbs 31 woman, like, right, you got to talk about her. And then, then there was a woman of prayer like Hannah. And, you know, and I had all these, like, little sermons going, and, and, I, and I couldn't wrap me around any of these people. Well, obviously the Proverbs 31 woman, like, no, no, no one can, but I just couldn't put my unique, I was going to say something negative. No, my unique personality around any of this. And I just kept going back to the armor of God. And I was thinking, well, how does the armor of God, like really encourage a woman on mother's day, like, you know, happy mother's day, like put on your armor and let's get to war. You know, like that isn't, uh, Sherry D was asking me like, what kind of imagery do you want? And I'm like, she had flowers. I said, oh, Sherry, we can't have flowers in a tin cup because, like, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I appreciate your femininity, but today it's out the door because we're talking about war. So now I have the women's attentions, and now I have the men's attentions. So I got you guys right where I want you. So actually the Lord does. But so we are living in a country that I think all of you would agree that it, it is at best in a state of disarray. There's a lot of um, hatred. There's a lot of bigotry. There's a lot of um, racist. There's a lot of um, unrest. There's a lot of unsettledness, not only in the United States, but throughout the world. And I think it's easy to sit back um, and say, well, it's, you know, um, Hispanics people's problem. It's the white person's problem. Um, it's the, um, the Asian people. Um, it's our beautiful sisters of, and, and men of color. And the reality is, it's none of those. And then we could say, well, you know, it's the person sitting next to me. I mean, if it wasn't for my husband, if it wasn't for my kids, or if I wasn't raised in this home, or if I wasn't raised in that home, or if I wasn't fill in the blank, and we spend all of our time focusing at people and at things, and the very thing that's going on is an unseen force. And Paul, in the book of Ephesians, we all know that Paul was the man in terms of writing the Bible. In the book of Ephesians... He's bringing things to a close in his writings, and he says um, that uh, Ephesians in, in Ephesians 6, he wants us to know that we are rooted and grafted in Christ. And then he gets to the end, and he offers us this, Ephesians 6, 10 uh, to 13. And it says, Finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler, against the powers, and against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, which I believe is what we have going on today. And having done everything, stand firm. Here the Apostle Paul is talking to us about spiritual warfare. You see, the real problem is not what we can see. It's not the person next to you. It's not the person that you rolled over to and looked at this morning in bed. No, in fact, the enemy is unseen. He says um, the chaos, there, there's chaos in the world. And um, I was thinking about, well, how do I paint this picture 
I mean, Paul was talking about then, and we can equate it to what's going on in the United States, but how can we paint a picture of what, of what unseen spiritual warfare is? And I, <laughs> preparing this sermon, I, I go back like, you know, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but oddly enough, I can go back like 20 years and remember being upstairs in the, well, it, it was my, it was pastor's office, and then before or after it was pastor's office, it was four and five-year-olds, and me and Mr. Brent would be teaching four and five-year-olds for about, it was just going to be a year, but you know how that goes. You know, they can never find anybody, so then it's two years, and they still can't find anybody, and so then you're into this thing six years deep, and then you're like, well, it's cool, we can handle these. I mean, they're four and five-year-olds, like, how smart are they? Okay, you'll see how smart. Yeah, I, yeah, right? Okay, I have a three-year-old grandson, so I know how smart they are. So every week we would prepare, and obviously no two weeks were the same because, you know, we had new content and we kind of made up our own thing. That was before you had a wonderful children's director like Tracy. It was just Brent and I figuring out what we're going to teach these kids. Those were the days, ladies. But anyways, um, one particular Sunday we we decided that we were going to set them up for something like really big. So we told them that every week we were going to tell them about new things and like, like the armor of God and, and, and how they could attack the enemy. And, but what we were wanting them to do was, you know, be nice to your mom and like, don't kick your brother and don't spit on your sister and, you know, be a little man or be a little woman. Like, you know, like be a kid, but like be respectful. You know, we were trying to get this point across and we knew a lot of them like hadn't received Jesus and they're you know like how much spiritualness do they know but yet you know they know because they're smart so you know you got this fine balance with that age group and so Brent and I we promised the kids that we were gonna do something special you know special well we didn't know what it was it was just gonna be really special because we figured we had four weeks to figure out what the special was so so we found we were, we had been cleaning out the supply room and we found puppets okay I don't do puppets. He doesn't do puppets. But we're going to do puppets, right? And again, I can't change. I don't, I don't do like all these voices. You know, like people can change their voice and be real funny. I'm not that person. I have this voice. I can't make it higher or lower. I can't imitate someone. But I was going to have to be a puppeteer. So I said, Brent, you keep the kids busy. We made this like mock stage. I said, you keep the kids busy. I'm going to crawl around. Bam, got my puppet on. We're going to have some fun today. So Brent's all keeping the kids busy, coloring. I get on all fours, crawl around, woo, whip the stage. There I am, got my puppet, right? She's got, she even has braids, you know, little glasses, kind of, kind of looks like me. And so um, I'm doing this, hi, boys and girls, you know, this voice. Like, I didn't change my voice because I don't know how. So, like, but they still thought it was, you know, Peggy the puppet or whatever. So I said, hi, you know, who loves Jesus? Ah, we love Jesus. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm getting great feedback. And they're listening and no one's talking. I mean, it's like, I mean, they're in my hand, right? I got them. And so things are going great. I'm asking them everything that we've learned, like, what do you do if your brother hits, you know, we love and, you know, all these things. I'm like, they're listening and they're learning and they're having fun. This is awesome. The parents are going to love us. We make it to go in this thing eight years. And then Brent all of a sudden comes around and he, anytime Brent gets on the scene, fill, fill in the blank, right? The party is going to happen. So I had a little agenda. Well, now Brent comes in with his agenda. And he's such a joker and fun guy and teaser. So I'm like, oh, no. So we're behind, like, you know, they can't see us. And I'm like, what are you doing? I don't know where this play. I got the, I found the devil up. So he finds the devil. The devil is this red face, spiky hair. <clears throat> um, <laughs> and he's going to be the devil. So we got the devil on this arm, and I'm, I'm over here. And we're having these conversations, you know, I'm the devil, boys and girls, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, you know. And so, yeah, it was lame, but you know what, they're four, they love it. And so, all of a sudden, Brent goes, um, I don't want to listen to you today, teacher, I'm blah, 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 blah. And he looks at me with his little puppet, he goes, what do you have to say to that? And I turn my puppet, like, to the audience like that, and, and waiting for them, and I'm thinking, what am I going to say, like, and this little girl, mom knows the story, this little girl, cutest little thing, big brown eyes, long brown hair, big old bow, yellow dress, just a doll. Never heard her talk the whole time, probably for three years I had her, no, two years I had her. All of a sudden, back of the room, not that it was that far, but like, you know, where you are, Ruth, screams. I said, I said what should we tell them, boys and girl? What should we tell the devil? It gets definitely quiet, and she yells, blank you, Satan. 
I did. <laughs> I can't make that up. I cannot make, I tried to soften this. Don't think the worst word. Think of something a little, a little, not quite as bad. I did what you did. I love to laugh. I couldn't keep it together. I pull my puppet down, and as I'm pulling it down, I hit the our prop, our cardboard prop, and it goes flying down. And there, Brent and I are, and the kids are like, oh, Mr. Bat, Miss Beth. And we're like, hey, you know. Now, I, I mean, I wasn't even astounded by the profanity. She had three older sisters. I probably should have been, but I mean, that wasn't even the case. What amazed me was the fact that they didn't think we were these puppets. Like, oh, it's you. Like, yeah, it's me. I was like talking like this five minutes ago, and now I'm like this. Like, what did you think happened? So I don't know. But um, I did, when I was thinking of that story, I didn't bring it up to like, you know, cuss on the, on the platform or anything, but but... Because what happened there is there's an unseen force, us, that is behind controls what we see as being seen. These little kids see the puppet. We're doing the talking. My, see, my mom, she loved that story. I remember telling her, we laughed. We would laugh. She's got my humor. No, I have her humor. So that's why I get in trouble all the time. When that thing fell down, to me, that is a good word picture, a good visual picture of the enemy in our life. We think he's, we think we're being controlled by our neighbor, our boss, our sister, our mom, our kids, our husband. And in reality, who's controlling who, right? So Paul says, um, there's an unseen force that we have to get, uh, get working on. And so, um, it reminded me too of the wizard of Oz. You ever seen that? I was going to play that, but I'm like, you know, there's probably some kid that's never seen it. And like them, I'm going to, I'm going to traumatize them for life. And so I didn't, <laughs> that show just like really freaked me out. So, but it's in the back where he has the little, you know, they're, they're going to the, to the wizard and they're like, Oh, can we please do whatever? And, and then all of a sudden the little dog goes around, whips open the curtain. And there's this little man on a little platform with a little microphone scaring the, you know what, out of those four. And that, right there, the puppets and the Wizard of Oz, you will never look at that again without thinking of spiritual warfare. So, um, moving on. So, Paul says in Ephesians 6, paraphrased by me, pull back the curtain and let the enemy know, devil, we got our eyes on you. So, Paul's saying, don't be naive, (laughs) don't be dumb, we got our eyes on you. So moms, if I spend all my energy putting out fires, 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 this one. You ever played that whack-a-mole game? Come on, you've all played it. You got those little, mm, what are those things? Moles, whack-a-mole, of course, whack-a-mole. Okay, let's try that again. (laughs) The whack-a-moles with the moles, those little moles that come up, and you get a hammer, and you knock out two, and what happens? Two more come out. So you get this kid taken care of, and then this is going on. And then your husband's acting up, and then your boss is driving you nuts, and then your mom did this, and then your dad's controlling you, and you're whacking moles all day. Right? It's not. I'm speaking from my experience. <laughs> you are all spiritual. No, I'm teasing. And so, so, um, and it also says the enemy is scheming against you. That's a really nasty word. I mean, if somebody does me wrong, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like I can, I forgive. I'm, I, my mother and dad have taught me not to hold forgiveness and, or not to, no, be forgiving. Don't hold on forgiveness. There you go. That whack-a-mole got me all off. But um, <laughs> but I have learned, you know, to do that. Like, it's it's not worth it. You know, they didn't mean it or, you know, don't think something that's there that's not. Just move, Beth. Walk in grace. Walk in, go and have an opinion. Walk in grace. Okay. So um, right here, it's talking about um, the enemy is scheming. So if you've done me wrong once, okay. But if you're scheming against me, ugh, that's that's like... So that means you've been watching my tendencies, you've been watching my personality, you've been listening to what I say, you've been seeing my weaknesses, you've been watching me at work or with my family, 
and you see, oh, I know her, I know her weakness here. I can scheme against this. I can handle this. And if I know that you're scheming against me, seriously, but even worse yet, if you're scheming against my husband or my three children, and really almost worse yet, you're going to scheme against my grandkids. Come on. That's right. Mamas, grandmas, come on. Don't you be touching those grandkids because this mama will go ape on you. <laughs> no, Beth, unseen forces that are at work. No, I won't go ape on you. I will want to. I will have to, like, really work on that. So um, I'm not going to let you do that. And in my mind, if the enemy wants a war, then a war it is. But I'm telling you, the war is not going to be with flesh and blood. It's going to be fought in the spirit on my knees in prayer. So Paul says to put down all the weapons that are futile. Most of my weapons are right here. The tongue. Right? I don't think I could go to war with it. I wouldn't last. Oh, what, what do you offer? What do you, what do you bring in? My tongue. Uh, okay, you go up front and get killed. No. But, um, but that's, I mean, that's mine. So it, as you go down to read, at the end it says, prayer is the divinely ordained mechanism that our God has given us. It's like a key that unlock, unlocks the heavens to bring down our blessings. Amen. Isn't that awesome? And prayer doesn't manipulate God. If you think it does, it doesn't manipulate God. It accesses what he already has for us as sons and daughters in the kingdom. So if you want victory in your homes, pray. If you want victory with your children, pray. If you want victory in your life, pray. And I don't have time to go over all the armors, but I picked two. I so hard. I'm like, man, I was so indecisive. But I picked two, and I actually did my first little bit of editing. I'm like a video, videographer now. I, I was sitting out. I love being outdoors. I was sitting outside preparing for this when we had nice weather. And I was looking out over, we have a lot of land, and I was looking out into the land, and I saw a remnant of something, and I'm like, ooh, that is a very good word picture. So I just grabbed my phone, and this is a one-take shot. So, Joel, do you want to get that going? Yes, that is our tree fort, uh, the remnants of it, and... Um, one day the boys were out there playing. I mean, they weren't, they hadn't had this thing. I mean, you know, it took them a year to master design it, but, but they finally got in there. We're going to actually play in there and I'm making lunch or something. And I hear scream, like, like 25 year old girls scream, like that kind of scream, screaming and, and Aunt Beth, mom, there's, there's this, there's these critters, there's these big animals and they're in their fort and they're everywhere. And I'm thinking, oh my Lanta, there's nothing. So, you know, I'm going to go out there and put out the fire, which in fact, those boys were right. There was a lot of little critters living in there because the environment was ripe for critters. And what always interests me is I didn't have to put out a Facebook ad. I didn't have to go Facebook live. Hey, come on out at 2 p.m. Clark Street, back of the fort. Joel and Scooter will be there. Be there. I didn't have to have an Instagram story, or I didn't have to put it on Instagram or Facebook ad. All I had to do was create the right environment, and the critters came. Right? Obviously, we're not talking about critters, are we, ladies and gentlemen? We're talking about some of the unseen things that we allow into our hearts. The tree fort, to me, is a great analogy for unrighteous living Righteousness is living in a way where there is an environment that is created for the favor of God on your life. Unrighteousness is a behavior that creates an environment for the enemy to come and take residence. Just like the snakes and the coons and all the little critters. You choose to live an unholy lifestyle and you have just invited an attack of the enemy, which means... We can go and attend Bible studies. We can memorize God's word. We can go to, uh, I think, a celebrate recovery and deal with our hurts, our hangups, our addictions. We can sit in intercession and prayer. And yet, if we aren't living a righteous or holy lifestyle, all of this could be in vain. I have made a choice, and you should make a choice, that your attitudes and actions live in such a way that honors God and it's not to gain God's approval because you already have that. You want to invite his favor because you don't want to make room for the strongholds that the enemy would bring in your life. 
So, Mom, some of you are like those four- and five-year-olds that we taught over there. You say, I love the Lord, Beth. I, I love Jesus. I love him with my whole, whole heart. But yet, and I can say this because we're women, not all of you, but half of you. And sometimes our thoughts, our wills, our mind, our emotions are in direct conflict to what the Word of God says about who you are and about what he says about you. And if you're finding the fingerprints of God in your marriage, I'm sorry, finding the fingerprints of the enemy in your marriage, on your kids, in your home life, with parents, with siblings, then I would have to ask, ask you to ask yourself, am I in alignment with what the Word of God says about who I am? And do I believe what God has said, who, whose I am? We can be in our prayer room, and we can yet walk out with the same thought life, right? We can, we can be in there for hours. We could be going at it and walk out. And just a thought, we might see somebody, and ju- they could walk by you, and you'd say, why didn't she say hi to me? Man, she never says hi to me. She I guess she doesn't like me. Well, I don't really, actually, no one likes me. You know, I don't really fit. Yeah, you know, I don't even fit in. I don't, pff, I don't even know why I'm here. I thought you were just two hours interceding. Yeah, well, that's, that's holy. I'm, 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 okay, I'm talking to I'm preaching to me. I'm glad you're all here. <laughs> I've spent a few. I've spent a few years there, so I I, I feel like I, I have some authority here. Um, but the, I want to talk to you a little bit about the the uh, Roman soldier and his armament. His uh, armor weighed seventy pounds, seven zero seventy. Most of it was this breastplate that he wore, and it didn't matter how much muscles he had, or how smart he was, or how intelligent he was with military, um, you know, battle plans. None of that mattered. All that mattered was protecting the heart. I mean, that mattered. But what really mattered was protecting the heart. And if I was his enemy, if I was your enemy, one way that I would get you if we're in battle, if it couldn't be my tongue, <laughs> I would go after your heart. I would make sure you didn't even know you had a breastplate. And if you did, you had it on dis- aligned a- against a false truth. That's who I'd pick out. I'd find you. I could smell you a mile away because I know how you walk. I know how you act. I can tell by your actions. I can tell if you really know whose you are in Christ. So I, I, would, I would go after your heart. And one blow to the heart, and it's all over. You're done. All your vitality you need to live a victorious life is connected to the heart. And Scripture tells us to guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And how do we do this? Paul says, use the breastplate of righteousness. He says, use the breastplate so the enemy doesn't have a full frontal attack on you. He hits, he hits that organ and, and you're done. Your heart is the hub of your soul. And your soul is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's who we are. And even your conscience. I always tell my kids when they were young, if you ever get into a situation where you feel, like when they were young, you know, like you shouldn't be there. You had to check in your spirit, you know, call mama and dad, let us know. We'll come get you. You, If you're not too strong at that point to stand against peer pressure, but you know that you know that you know that you're going to regret where you're at right now, call me. We'll come get you, you know? And I find that the conscience is not, your conscience isn't the voice of God, but it's that microphone that he uses to speak to you. I mean, he doesn't come to you and go, Thus saith the Lord, King James, thou shalt not enter that den of iniquity. No. He says, Beth, I wouldn't go in there. Beth, I wouldn't say that. Beth, that's not a thought that you need to have. Right? I mean, let's be realistic. That's how the Lord speaks to us. So that means if I was your enemy, I would go for that. That means I've crippled your ability to think, your ability to function in emotional health, And more importantly, I've short-circuited the work of the Holy Spirit, how he can use to speak into your heart. So now you can't, you cannot think clearly. You have no emotional health, and you can't hear a word from the mouth of God. So you're sitting there outside on your porch like me, and you're reading the word of God, and you might as well be reading, I don't know, Shakespeare literature, which I could care less about. Sorry if I offended you, but that means nothing to me. It's just black ink on a white page, right? I mean, not, 
feel like I'm being hard. I really am a loving, loving person. But this is war. Remember, this isn't peonies in a tin can. This is, this is war, you guys. This is, this is where the rubber hits the road. Um, the enemy wants your spiritual ear to be so dull, so dull. So when God says, hey, you need to go ask her for forgiveness. I wasn't God. No way. God would never <laughs> let me do that. Oh, because it's the enemy that's telling you to ask forgiveness. Or you need to give to that person. They're, they're having a hard time now. Oh, they're, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. Or you need to extend the olive branch in this situation. God, no, I don't. They're, they're, they're the problem. But if our, if our hearing gets so dull, we start rationalizing like that. So he pulls a full frontal attack on your heart. So Paul says, guard your heart. The breastplate aligns yourself to the truth you affirm. So if you're affirming the wrong truth, you better get the right truth. Because once that sucker is in place, it's there, right? I mean, it's 70 pounds. Unless you're working out a lot, it's, it's, it's there to fight. And, and there's something that I love. This, this part, I, I wasn't going to talk. I'm like, I got to get this. This is so exciting. The next was, is, the, is the belt of truth. Do you know that on the soldier, most of the men are like, yeah, please, I know this, Beth. Well, I didn't know this, so bear with me. The men wore the, this belt of truth. See, you know about that. The belt of truth. They wore, they wore a belt. And on that belt, the breastplate hung. Everything hung from this belt. Well, the scripture calls it the belt of truth. But in military, it was a belt. So that 70-pound armor that was weighing them, think about running around with that for a morning and then going out into the heat of the day and going to battle. Oh, yeah, you're sure to win that one, aren't you? But there's a belt that relieves the pressure, so you're not carrying the weight. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Like, I just want to scream and jump off the stage, but I will not do that. Like, that is good news. God gives us this belt of truth that every piece of the armor that God gives us is affixed to that. That's in war. I mean, not only is it in war, but it's, it's in the Bible. That's so awesome. So we get our truth aligned. We're, we're, we're guarded here. But, but here's sometimes what happens, okay? So if, we, if we're not involved in maybe overt sin or something that we know that we're doing, sometimes we try to carry our own righteousness. That, that breastplate is maybe our righteousness. And we're going to carry this sucker around, and we're going to shine it up, and we're going to put it on display, and we're going to walk around northwest Indiana with our breastplate of righteousness. All shined up. But you know what? It's too heavy. It's too heavy. And the good news is, 2,000 years ago, when this happened, he gave us righteousness. It was imputed, which means it was deposited into righteousness. I can sit here and write you all checks. <laughs> After probably that row, I'm done. But whatever, let's just pretend for a moment that I'm writing everyone checks. Obviously, I'm going to run out of money, right? right? But here's the beauty. Thank you. You're like, no, no, but here, here's the beauty with the Lord. When we come into Christ, this happens. We have, um, accept Jesus as our Lord and savior. Not only does he with take a withdraw from us, he, the dross, the anger, the bitterness, the strife, the dissension. But now he says, hold on, Beth, I'm going to withdraw it. But don't you worry, because I know how you humans are. You'll replace it with something that you don't need. So let me do this. Let me put on righteousness. It's going to look so beautiful. It's already in you. Stand in it. Put the armor on. Stand firm in that. Isn't that, that is so freeing to me. I'm like, that's so awesome. Because what happens is perfectionism comes, right? I'm just going to do it myself. Doggone it, no one can do it. So forget the odds, do it myself. Aren't you all pathetic, right? Or if you've ever been in a group study in school or college, I don't want, I don't want a group. I'll just do it myself. I don't need it. Right? Just, I'll just do it myself. Perfectionism. Perfectionism. The belt of truth. The Roman soldier was a presence during this time. Now we're like, well, what, why would he talk about that? Well, that's how it was then. So Paul uses this analogy, and he says um, that when the Old Testament's um, prophets, when, when, new, when new converts would get saved, they would go back and read about the Old you know, the Old Testament um, prophets and such. And, and Jesus, or God, was referred to as a divine warrior with a breastplate of righteousness, a helmet of salvation, and, you know, shoes or uh, feet uh, shod with the preparation, preparation of truth. And yet that warrior 
God was used to fight, you know, kind of against us because the rebellion of Israel was so bad. But Paul says, remember that, that, that warrior that Jesus got, that God used, good news, you got it. Except it's under this covenant. So you pick up your battle and you fight your war and you stand firm. And what, I mean, hello, it's like he's given us everything. It's like, here's everything, Beth. Okay, what can I give you? Nothing. Die. <laughs> Not physically, but die. It. So that's, that's what Jesus did for us. That is so exciting. So Paul goes on, and he could have talked about so many things. Like if you were to see a Roman soldier walk down here, I don't think you'd go, wow, look at the belt. You, would not, you wouldn't even notice the belt. You would notice the brightly colored hat with the feathers, and you'd notice the breastplate and the ginormous sword. And yet, Paul chooses to talk about the belt. So um, it, was the most, it wasn't the most noticeable piece, but without the belt, nothing else could be attached. Everything was attached to this belt. So you must be a woman or man that are, is girded in truth. And the reason why truth in 2018 is so important, I believe, just my opinion, is because the enemy's weapon is deception. Am I the only one who's been deceived by the enemy? I mean, to me, that's how I can see him coming a million trillion miles away. I just smell him. I'm like, oh, oh, that's the smell of a snake. Yeah, that there. I hear the sis, and I smell them. Awesome. We know, I know what to do. I've been here, done this. Um, and what's so interesting is um, I feel like embedded within deception is this blinding agent, right? And, and it's like you don't know what's real. Like I can be standing on the precipice here, and you can go, you know, Christian, go, Beth, wait, 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 wait. And I'm like, what? I, I, right? I could go off the cliff. I, you can see it in me. I can see it in you. But sometimes when it's in us, oh, no, 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 you're being judgmental. You don't know him like I do. Oh, no, 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 right? Because, it, again, that's that blinding agent. I can see it in you. Oh, so easy. Oh, girl, like, don't do that. But me, no, no, it's good. It's good. I was, I was a Bible study this morning. All right, I'm all right. We're good. We're good. So, and I, I will tell you, if you haven't figured it out by now, the enemy is a master illusionist. He causes you to think things that are as though, as though they're not. Uh, he causes your perceptions to be misaligned so that they're skewed just a, just a little bit to the left or to the right. And you know what he's counting on you to do? To trust in those beautiful feelings. Oh, but Beth, I'm a woman. And you know, oh, I just, God just gave me these feelings. And he's so cute. And oh my goodness. Oh, you would love him or whatever. And you know what? When he gets our feelings, he can just take us on a joyride, can't he? And, and we, we strap in and we go. But for the person who's guarded in truth, <laughs> he doesn't stand a chance. Um, and I got to tell you, the battle for your mind is unfair. It is vicious. It is intense. It is unrelenting. And it's unfair because Satan doesn't play fair. You get no trophies with him for citizenship sportsmanship award. Satan. Yay. No, you don't get that. The reason why it's so intense is your greatest asset that God has given us is our mind. And if he can capture the mind, then he's got you. Just like a little fish getting a little shiny lure and we go, boom, we're in, we're done. One little lure. I've seen it in myself. I've seen it with other people. And when your mind in, in heart are so broken, you can't even hear God. You can't. I've been there. It's 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 horrible. It's it's a it's a it's 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 horrible. I'm sure. I, I would hope everyone in here has been through a season. I don't want you to, but I just think as men and women living in this world that that, that happens. So, in Second Corinthians, it said we we walk in flesh. Though we walk in flesh, we're not waging waging a war according to the flesh. In other words. We don't fight with armor. We don't fight with politics. We don't fight with money. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh or carnal, but mighty through God, through the bringing down of strongholds. Paul is talking about destroying the strongholds. And a stronghold is a personal attitude. It's, 
It's uh, anything that makes you make an idol in your life. It can be fear. It can be guilt. It can be resentment. It could be insecurity. It could be, for me, my own grandson that you'll hear about later uh, that happened. It brought fear into my life, and that became an idol over the truth that God is good and God is sovereign, and God is um, sovereign over everything. Um, says to take every thought captive. In this past, actually, couple years, I've just been, I've been working on Beth, but not at the, not at the um, expense of other people. Um, and I've just been kind of addressing the way I do things and why I have different thoughts. And, I, and some of you, those aren't bad thoughts, but, but are they God's thoughts? Is, and, and the Lord's been challenging me, Beth, take every thought captive. There's no neutral thought. There's no neutral thought. You either have a thought that is empowering and life-giving, or you have a thought that's death. I mean, yeah, maybe what, ah, what shoes am I going to wear? Okay, that, that's maybe not. But you know what I mean? As much as you get a thought and you're like, and the Lord's been telling me, Beth, don't just take a thought and just, say, and just address every thought that comes. Hold it captive. It's almost like you're inspect, like if you're a doctor, you're taking that disease thought and you're going to go, really? No, Mm-mm. not me. Oh, another one, man. No, the word of God says this. So throughout the day, I feel like a, a surgeon, bad thought, whatever, boom, spank. Get another one coming out. Nope, not. It's like, I was pulling ticks off my dog the other day. Gross, I know, but that's what I feel like. Like, tick off, bam, you're dead. You're dead, you're dead. She has heart garden. I take all that stuff on her, but sometimes they just, they get through. But that's what I feel like. I just feel like I'm, I'm just in there and I'm just pulling off all these things. Don't belong, gone. The word of God says this. And I'm finding that the more that I'm, addressing and confronting those thoughts that do not align with the word of God. Oh my goodness. When I address the word of God, it's like, whoa, those, guess what? Thoughts I had two weeks ago, I can't find them. I don't want to find them, but they're gone. They're gone. I mean, you got to go full frontal. How many of you guys have seen the movie Inception? Whoa. Yeah. I didn't know what I was going in to see. And I'm like, what the stink, Brent? I mean, this is like deep stuff. I think the guy was using something when he wrote that movie. I was so deep. I'm like, wow. But um, I probably drove my husband nuts. I'm like, Why, what's that? What's going on? I don't, know. I don't really know. Honestly, I don't even know what happened in the movie. No, I'm dead serious. This is my take. Leonardo DiCaprio keeps dreaming, and he has dreams within dreams within dreams, and as long as it gets him into trouble. If I were to write a review, this is what it would be. Leonardo DiCaprio goes and has dreams, and then his dreams have another dream, another dream, and he doesn't know what dream is a dream or if he's a reality. So what he does is he takes this top and he spins the top and he steps away. And if the top falls over, he's in reality. And if the top keeps spinning, he knows he's in a dream. Isn't that a good analogy? Oh, that the enemy <laughs> would love that if you did not have some objective standard of truth outside your own world. But you know what? We have a standard of truth, and it's called the Word of God. So we can spin our top, <laughs> and we know this ain't no dream. This is life. You know, and I love that, because when I saw that, I don't know, I can't just sit and relax and see a movie. I'm kind of probably driving my husband nuts, but I'm always taking spiritual stuff out of these things and going like, man, that is warfare right there too. So, but um, the enemy hopes that you trust how you feel, he hopes you can trust what your mind can see and what your ears can hear and what your heart can feel. He does not want there to be a body of believers who have an objective standard of truth. Second Corinthians 15, 3 to... Uh, I didn't put 3 or 4. I don't know. It talks about this horrendous culture that, that they were living in. And it said that there were no teaching priests. Again, it didn't say there were no priests. There were no teaching priests. There were no leaders. It wasn't that there were no, there were no teaching leaders. Big difference. Big difference. In moms, some of you are in the throes of diapers. Some of you are so pregnant you could bust and you're like, whoo, swollen and tired and maybe a little cranky and that's okay. There's grace for that. But you're, you know, you're, you're busy. You're tired. Maybe you have a tween that you want to like, Mm, kick into next year. And maybe you have a teenager that's just on that precipice. You're like, you just keep walking, son or daughter. You just go right ahead. You know, you might have these walking or an adult kid that, that's wayward, right? 
and you have all these things coming and you're thinking, I just can't, I can't, Beth, I can't do anything with these guys. Do you know what? God has put them in your life. They're your children. God has given you the authority to stand firm and to speak truth into them. And I'm going to tell you, mom, there was no teaching priests and no teaching leaders, but as moms, you are. If you have toddlers <laughs> screaming at you, usurping your authority for their three-year-old wisdom, isn't that nice? Aren't they cute? Aren't they cute? Um, if you have the, the teenagers, you're a teaching priest. If you're feeding them chicken nuggets, no judgment, and giving them the word of God, you're a teaching priest, right? If you're loving them where they're at, encouraging them, putting them with, uh, attaching the word of God to their beautiful hearts and encouraging them, you're a teaching priest. But what the world will want to tell us is, you don't have this. So you're nothing. I don't have this 364 days a year. But I'm a teaching priest. I'm a teaching leader. Because I believe it's so important that men and women, my heart is for women, understand who they are in Christ. So that when crisis happens, because it will, it's not a matter of if. And and if crisis hasn't happened yet, God bless you. But it will. Because we live in a fallen world. God is sovereign, but we live in a fallen world. And so, Brady, come on up, honey. This past year has been hard. Received a phone call about a year ago today from my daughter and uh, changed my life, changed my world, um, did not change my God. Out of that scripture, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And it was during that time, the decades of sitting in those chairs and being taught Sunday school lessons and 15 years of life group in my home and all these things, now the rubber has hit the road because everything I know about God to now has been good. God is faithful. God, you know what I mean? And now all of a sudden, life hits me upside the head and I have to look into the face of God. And know that I know that I know that he loves me and that he's for me. And it was a process. But I knew that I knew that the righteousness that I wore, that breastplate, wasn't some man-made fabricated breastplate that I got at some armory. And the belt of truth was not some standard that the world puts out. And one year it's good to do this and one year it's not. But it was rooted in what the Lord has done in my life. And my daughter is going to share a little bit about that phone call in that season. So this is my daughter, Brittany. She made me a grandma with my, he's a three-year-old little boy, Emerson, just as cute as can be, uh, Alden, and then um, her beautiful baby girl, Elsie, in her tummy. So, and her husband, Steve. He's a big kid. <laughs> Thank love you. you. I love you. Well, I'm just honored to be up here with her. She's pretty awesome. That was a great message, so I'll be the tag along behind. <laughs> um, so yeah, when she told me this, uh, I was like, what are we doing? What are you going to talk about? What am I talking about? And she's like, oh, I'm doing the armor of God. And I was kind of like with um, Sherry. I'm like, oh, are we talking about like Proverbs 31? <laughs> like all this stuff. She's like, no, we're going to war. I'm like, all right, that's awesome. Because I feel like this has been... Um, I don't know, awakened in my spirit over the last year, just this idea of like spiritual warfare and battle. And, um, I'm not a very, I don't like conflict. So prior to this last year, like I'm, I'm kind of passive or just like, I'll, I'll appease you. I'll please you, but I'm not going to cause, cause, uh, any strife. And so, but this idea of just spiritual battle and warfare has been so vital to my healing and my growth and my walk with the Lord. So, I think it's important to know too, as Christians, like once we get saved, we don't just automatically wake up like, oh, we're fully armed. We're ready to go. Like, yeah, like it's a daily decision to like put on that righteousness and wear that um, belt of truth and the sword of the spirit and all of that. And so we get a choice in the matter. Um, and as most of you figured out, you know, battles are going to come. Situations are going to rise up. Um, we're going to go through struggles. 
and we don't get a say in it. Sometimes things are just thrown in our way and that we're completely out of control. Um, like she said, just being in a fallen world. And so, but we do get a say in something and it's how we respond and how we choose to take what we've been given and okay, what are we going to do with this? And so, um, part of that choice is to actively renewing our mind, reading the word, praying, being surrounded in a, in a fellowship like this to keep us grounded and keep us rooted. Um, so a little backstory about me. I grew up actually in this church being her daughter and Bishop's granddaughter. Um, it was just inevitable. Here we are. And so I had a great, um, upbringing as far as church goes, loving surrounding people or people surrounding me my whole life. Um, great family, great friends, um, Went to Christian school from preschool all the way to my master's. So needless to say, I've been like fed the word of God my whole life. Um, not a day went by where I didn't hear something spiritual. <laughs> um, and I'm grateful for that because it saved me from a lot of junk I didn't have to walk through. Um, but it wasn't until this time, almost to the year, or to the day last year, um, that everything I knew up here became real in my heart. Um, Sorry. My faith was truly tested. And um, on May 22nd of last year um, was by far the most difficult thing I've ever had to face in my life. I found myself, um, we were pregnant with our second child. We were having another son. And I was 41 weeks, so, or I had just turned 41 weeks. So we were talking about an induction that week. And so they're like, okay, well, we need to get an ultrasound. Make sure baby's head's still down, everything's still good, no cord issues, whatever, everything looks okay. Okay, great, fine. So a normal day, it was a Monday, go to work, worked a half day, I was still, I was feeling great. And so worked a half day, went to the hospital, got my ultrasound, and then the next thing I know, I'm being put in this room, she hands me a box of tissues, and she's like, your doctor's going to call you. I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird, like usually I can just leave when I'm done. And um, then I get a phone call that uh, my baby doesn't have a heartbeat. And uh, my son's dead in my womb. So, like, worst fear, worst case scenario for any mother, for any any parent, really. Um, and here I am, you know, just face no no rhyme or reason, no explanation, and not even like a physical sign or symptom for me to think anything was wrong, except for she puts me in this room, and I'm like, what in the world? Like, this is weird. And so here I am, I'm faced with this paralyzing fear, this instant heartache, instant grief, confusion. Um, you know how she was saying, our minds are the gateway. And so immediately the enemy knew, like, hey, she's weak. She's she's emotional. She's hurting. She just got the worst news of her life. And so I felt my mind just being attacked. I mean, so many questions, like, you know, why is this happening? How did this happen? God, are you aware that this is even happening to me? Like, I don't understand any of this. You name it, good, bad, ugly, I thought it. Um, so in that moment, I knew, like, I'm alone. I called my husband. I, he was calling family. People were coming to, to be with me. But in that moment, I knew, like, okay, Brittany, you have a choice. Like, here it is. Like, I know that this is what they're telling me. But, like, I know in my head, like, I've grown up. I've been so grounded in that truth. Like, I know that, God, you can you can show up. Like, you can redeem this. This, is, this doesn't have to be the end all. Like, I know that a miracle can still happen. And so... You know, obviously I'm mourning, I'm grieving, my family's there. Um, but I knew in my head three things. I said, God, I know that you're good. I know that you love me. And I know that you've already gone before me, and this doesn't surprise you. And I didn't have to muster that up. That was from years of being grounded in truth. And so, you know, my family gets there. We're just praying over my son's life. And we're just asking God, you know, like, okay, of all the times to perform a miracle, of all the times to show up, like, this would be a really awesome story. Like, if you could just revive my son, like, this would be super awesome. And we would love you forever, regardless of the outcome. But God, come on. Like, you can do this. Like, I know you can. I've seen you do miracles before. And so we're praying, we're praying. I'm like, you know, hopeful, feeling my stomach. Do I feel him? Maybe he'll kick, and then that'll be a sign. Like, there's life again. Nothing happens. And then I'm being told, okay, we have to transfer you to another hospital, and we have to start the induction process. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, the thought of labor and delivery was so far beyond. Like, I had just been faced with this news, and the last thing I wanted to do was to go through, you know, like, pain of loss is enough. But now, like, okay, now you have to go through the pain of labor and delivery. And I'm like... Wait, what? Like, so it's kind of like when you're already knocked out, and then you just get another, like, to the gut. That's how I felt. I remember being so 
feeling so weak emotionally, mentally, even physically. Like I remember being in the car, I'm just like shaking and I feel like I'm dry heaving. And I was just, I was in a mess. I was in a very bad, um, bad place emotionally and mentally. And I remember just thinking, my husband and I, we were driving to the hospital and I don't even remember the song, but it was, it it was like a miracle can happen now where the spirit of the Lord is. A miracle can happen now where the spirit of the Lord is. And I mean, we played that the whole seven hours I was laboring in delivery and in the car ride there. And I remember just saying, God, like you have to give me something. Like, I feel like I'm dying. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to, what I'm going to do when I get there. I don't even feel physically capable to deliver a baby right now. Like I'm just not there. And, um, I remember him just being like, I'm here. And that thought of like Emmanuel, like that's who he revealed himself to me in that moment. Like God with us and God with me in this moment and in my heartache. And so I took that truth and that is what got me through those next seven hours. Like knowing, okay, God, you're here. You're with me. You're grieving with me. This hurts your heart. Like you didn't inflict this upon me, but I know that you're going to be there with me as I go through it. And so just like that, seven hours later, our sweet baby boy, Alden, was born on May 23rd uh, at 4.49. He was born silent still, but so perfect. And I wish I could stand here today, you know, and tell you about how God raised my son from the dead. How he healed his heart, how, you know, revival broke out and all the nurses got saved. But that's not my story, and that's okay. My story is one of redemption and hope and how God can take a tragedy and turn it into something glorious and something beautiful for his, for his namesake. And, you know, looking back over the last year, I'm just so blown away at the faithfulness of God, excuse me, his graciousness. I feel like I've been given, um, a new freedom, a new hope, a new like outtake on life. And yeah, it's still a struggle. And it didn't happen overnight. I can't stand up here today and be like, oh, everything is great. I'm so good. I'm in a great place. But I'm better than where I was. And it's only because I've ta- daily decided to, okay, I have to put on this truth. God, today hurts. Today is, is a hard day. My son's not listening. I wish my other son was here. Now I have another baby on the way. Like, am I really capable to do this mom thing? But I know that he's entrusted me with their lives. <laughs> And I know that he loves me and he's good and he wouldn't give me something I couldn't handle or wouldn't allow something to happen to me that I couldn't handle. And, um, you know, for years prior to this, I struggled with fear and anxiety and I was very much type A, controlling. I like to protect myself. No one's going to hurt me. I'll take care of myself. Thanks, God. But, like, I know myself better. (laughs) It's terrible growing up knowing that that was wrong. But anyway, I lived in bondage for a while. And um, I had let past wounds and hurts kind of be my standard for what to expect. So, like, you hurt me once. Okay, I'm just going to do one of these because I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to go there. So I'll just build all these walls up. And um, it wasn't until last year when that worst-case scenario happened that I truly was like, okay, God, I've realized I cannot protect myself. I cannot control what's going to happen to me in life. And so I invited him into my pain. And I knew I didn't want to let this traumatic event, like keep me in fear, keep me depressed, keep me victimized, keep me like, oh, she's the grieving mother. Like, I don't want that. I don't want those titles, but I knew it had, it was a choice I had to make each and every day to wake up, to love the Lord, to love my husband, to, um, trust the Lord with each and every day that I was given. Have I arrived and completely overcome fear and stopped grieving? (laughs) Absolutely not. Um, you know, I still feel fear and I still grieve and that's okay, but I'm no longer controlled by those emotions. I don't let them dictate how I act, how I respond, how I, um, go about my day. And as you may have noticed, or like she said, we're expecting our third child, um, a little baby girl. So seven weeks from now, she'll be here. And so we're super excited, like so grateful for her. But as you can imagine, you know, it only, we got pregnant for four, four and a half months after, um, we're grieving our son. So like the emotions of that alone, you know, like, okay, we just lost one, but like now God's blessed us with another one. And so the last year have just been this emotional up, down, all around, um, roller coaster. And the enemy has tried over and over and over almost on a daily basis to remind me, Hey, remember what happened last year? Remember what happened to your son? This is coming up again. You got less than two months now. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to live in that fear. You're going to stay there and that worry, that doubt, that what if. Um, and so that's been 
my battle has been in the mind. But I know, like as she was saying, you know, you take those thoughts captive. No, that's not my God. He gave me this baby girl. No, I don't receive that. I don't receive death. I don't receive fear. I don't receive anxiety. And so questioning every little cramp, pain, worrying, that's not doing anybody any good. It's not doing any good. And so it's a daily choice to remind myself of the truth. And the closer we get, the more hopeful we are. And it's because of the hope of Christ. It's nothing I'm mustering up like, oh, it'll be okay. Self-talk, it'll be okay. No, it's the supernatural um, hope of the Holy Spirit that he's been, that he's given us. And so I just want to encourage you guys, like pain is never the end of the story when we partner with God. We overcome and there's victory, but it's a choice. And ultimately our victory is eternity. And so whatever battle you find yourself in or you're still dealing with from the past, like be encouraged that God wants to fight this with you. Don't fight it alone. Um, and that there's hope when we partner with God. And even when we feel defeated, when the things we hope for aren't, or haven't come to fruition, or when everything's been stripped from us, we still have a choice to either be defined and controlled by those circumstances or to release control to God and just let him use us. And I use this with my life group girls a lot. I'm always like <laughs> keeping my hand like this, open-handed. Like that's how we want to live. God, you can give, you can take away, but whatever happens, like here I am. Blessed be your name. And so I don't know for you what kind of emotions Mother's Day brings up. You know, this isn't a lovey-dovey holiday for everybody. You know, some of you had hard, hard upbringings, maybe didn't have a mother or maybe not a mother and wannabe or lost children like me, whatever it brings. For me, it's a little mixed this year, I'll be honest, but that's okay. Um, but one thing is certain, I feel so strongly, as she was just talking about the armor of God, like now is the time to rise up. And as mothers and fathers, who, whatever you are, we are all warriors. And so now is the time to awaken that that warrior mentality within us and to fight each and every day. Because we are. We're in a battle of our lives, like she was saying. Um, and so we have to be equipped. And that's all I have. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So I think it was, I love when Brittany, you know, said she's still hurting, but I think the difference is, you know, we have hope as Christians. So it's okay to be hurting, moms, if you're mourning the loss of a child or the loss of infertility or the loss of a mother or an absent mother or an abusive mother, or maybe your own disappointments in your own mothering, it's okay because you can have hope and still be hurting. You know what I mean? Because we have hope. And knowing that God's not finished with us yet. And that brings me hope. And Brittany's heart, I was, you know, I said, honey, I know this is going to be hard. It's not even a year since Alden's death. And I just want to honor you for um, sharing your scars with us, Brittany. Because it's easy. it would have been easy for her just to close up and not let anyone see those scars. But those scars, they, they have a story to tell. And you have a story to tell. And I have a story to tell. But what the enemy would want to do is get your truth messed up, rip off your breastplate, and tell you to keep it quiet. They don't want to hear your story. So I hope today that it has given you hope. And I know Brittany said, Mom, I don't want to end on a down note. So this isn't a down note. <laughs> Jesus died 2,000 years ago. We get to see Alden. I can't wait to see that little boy. I can't wait to grab that little grandson. I mean, a part of me, I mean... Is dust? I, I had my other grandson calls me hot dog. We can't go there, but I like. I was like, I couldn't wait. He, I, you know, I got to be a hot dog again, and, and I, I didn't get that opportunity. And there's a part of me that gets mad. You know, not at, not at God, but where are we pointing our anger? You know, it's like I wish I had that T-shirt. Not today, Satan. I would have worn it. I didn't have it. Not today, Satan. That's how I feel the last year. Not today. No, not today. So I thought, well. So we don't end on a, on a, on a low note because it's Mother's Day and you're all awesome. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we are confident that we are not done. You are not done with us. God, I thank you that we are more than conquerors. Lord, I pray against any apathy or in, against any delusion that we're over, that, it, that we're done, that you have, that you have completed your work in us. But Father, I, I, we stand here today, Lord, as men and women, and we say, Lord, have your way. Father, put us back on the, the altar and, and crucify any flesh that is in us. Lord, I just pray that you would use us with our kids. Father, use us around the kitchen table. Use us in the community. Father, use us at work. Father, use us wherever our feet go. Father, may we take back 
the ground that the enemy has stolen. Father, from this day forward, may we be men and women who are clothed with your armor. Father, may we rise up to the battle that is to be fought. And so, Father, forgive us of any apathy where we've dropped the ball. And today, Lord, we say we're going to guard ourselves with your breastplate of truth and your garment uh, that you have given us. Lord, we look forward to future because we have hope in Jesus Christ. So we just say yes and amen to your word, Father. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.